Um, in case you didn't know, this intro song Tanner and I made together a little while back. It's on my EP. It's called Lo-Fi Beat. It's a good song. It is a good song. I love that song. I uh, I played. I, I recorded the bass on that. You wrote you the bass sure part. You sure did. Um, yeah. Great song. Um, and I barely paid you anything for the work <laughs> that you did. That's right. On that record. Uh, $200. $200. co-produce and mix the whole EP. <laughs> that's a... Uh, Which back then to me was like, oh yeah, that's... Yeah, I'll that, do that. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. And I was like, that's a lot of money right, for me yeah, to give exactly. up. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm like, oh wow, that would have been... Oh, that that would have been... Well, let's see. That would have been... $5,000. That, that would have been $5,000 of work. Five to $6,000 of work. So you, all you friends out there, if you have a friend who's good at music, uh, just make sure you take advantage of them early. Right, yeah, before um, they figure out that they're worth more. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, what, what welcome, are we talking about welcome today? back to our little, little podcast. Um, today, we are talking about rates. Rates, rates, rates. Everybody talks. Every well, nobody. I feel like nobody talks about rates, and that's why we want to talk about them. Um, because people are a little protective of their rate, and uh, I think that we should just not be as much, and we should be honest about it and have open conversations about it and kind of get rid of the taboo on it. So, before we dive in, Tanner. What is an album that you have been really digging lately? You are going to hate me for this. But Is it uh, Dr. Octagon? No, no. Uh-oh. Um uh so I'm seeing John Mayer on Friday at Bridgestone on the solo tour. Dude, don't say it. <laughs> don't say it. I think that Sob Rock might be his best album. Dude, you did not just say that. I love Sob Rock. Shot in the Dark is top five favorite John Mayer songs for me. Easily. Dude. Every time I never get tired of it. I love it. I love every second of it. You guys can't see what I look like right now. <laughs> I love Better Sob than Rock. Born and Raised? I mean, you really think Sob Rock? I mean, can let, touch okay, listen, Born it's difficult because all, all of his albums are great. Born and Raised is amazing. I, I Paradise Valley is uh, underrated. I think so good, but I freaking love Sob Rock. I love everything that people hate about it. Why you no love me? Banger, absolute banger. Wild Blue. Wild Blue is like the the only song that the, I'm like getting down with. The uh, with that PRS. Record. SE Silver Sky release where he like had like Ariel Posen and like a bunch of other like guitarists come on and like take a solo using the Silver Sky over Wild Blue. And it was like genius marketing. I think it was Ariel and Sharky that played a a, a, like four bars back to back or something. And it was like I think it's still the like just slickest, like sexiest guitar I've ever heard in my life. Like that like 20 seconds of them back to back over Wild Blue. Great album. 
That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, music's music. It's subjective. Um, I used to listen to this record a lot in high school, but I just started listening to it again. Borderland by John Mark McMillan. Have you listened to that record? Is that the one with the, I'm a pilgrim here? No, no. <laughs> that's his, I, I kind of missed. That was more of like a Creed thing. <laughs> yeah, that's his newer record. Borderland is this record... The, the cover's like a panther. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Dude, there's like all types of just crazy instruments in that song and barely any cymbals. Mm. Like you listen to that record and the drums are huge. They're massive, but like there's no brass and like wow. any of Like there's a little bit. Yeah. But like a lot of the stuff that would be played on brass, like uh, I think it's in the the title track borderland it's literally played on like a pot oh. or something it's this like hat rhythm that's it's you just that's go cool. just go listen to it like it's that. a good record if you can stomach christian music you should listen to it i almost feel like his stuff doesn't count i mean he wrote how he loves oh yeah, and king of my heart that's yeah never mind scrub that <laughs> yeah so but but also you are right in the sense of his just regular music, everyday music is very different. Anyways. Yeah. Rates. Rates. Okay. Um, to make up for the fact that we've had two long episodes, we want to kind of hit this really concisely, and we'll probably end up talking more about it later, I think. Rates always change. Rates always change. There's a lot of aspects to explore in it, um, but I think we just want to at least touch on it in, within the first five episodes. So. Right. Um, think how we're going to do it is we are each going to say what our rates are for different things um, and then what have our rates been over the years and how did we get from where we started with rates to where we are now. So I'll let you go first because cool. I still feel like I talk a lot. No, dude. What are your rates? My my rates right now are four hundred dollars for a mix. I do a two hundred dollar deposit, two hundred dollars at the final before right before I send the final deliverable. Production rate is seven fifty. Same kind of concept. However, I have done breaking it up into three payments. Um and the way I've been doing that is one set of payments at the beginning, uh, one payment after the final vocal is tracked, mm. and then one payment once the entire production is complete, and I'm about to send it to the mix engineer. But um, I have been playing with the idea of working hourly on production as of recently, just because um, I feel like since I'm working with all independent artists right now there tends to be sometimes like there isn't a set deadline with a lot of things sometimes work kind of gets strung out just a little bit um which i try as a producer like it is part of my job to be super on top of like deadlines and making sure we're staying on track but sometimes artists don't want to listen to you sometimes i have a rough week and time drags on for whatever reason mm-hmm. project slows down like that um, so I've been trying hourly because I can show up, 
produce, do my job that I need to do, every hour that we are working is valuable. Mm-hmm. And artists only want you to work. Or like artists come to work, you know? And right. There's no dead time. And anytime the artist does utilize you, they're paying for it. Right. As opposed to like getting paid $750 over sometimes songs can take a long time to complete. Mm-hmm. Sure can. And if something goes horribly wrong and it's six months later and the song still isn't done. And or I longer. Bo- yeah, or longer. And I only have $750 to talk about it. Right. Or to like show for it. Sorry, talk about it was the wrong word. To show for it. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, that wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hourly is what I'm leaning towards right now for independent uh, artists, just for my production. When labels start coming into picture, publishing companies, I'm sure I'll probably go back to flat rate and probably take a couple points. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Cool, cool. Um, I don't do editing, so right. That's yeah, my own. rates are a little bit more complex because I do a lot of different types of work. So uh, for mixing, I actually just this month raised uh, most of my rates a little bit. Um, so for mixing now, I'm doing 500 a song for indie artists. Um, for producing, I'm doing 750 a song also, flat rate. Um, and then for editing, I had been doing hourly for editing since I started doing that because I've kind of figured that, that that's like the best way to tackle editing because sometimes I get an edit job in and it takes an hour and sometimes I get in and, and it takes eight. So it's hard to kind of do a flat rate for that. Um, but as I've kind of refined, I guess, my clientele and editing and want to like hone in on work that I enjoy more, mostly with bands, um, where I can kind of come in as like part of the team as the person between production and mix. Um, moving toward more of a flat rate with that to try to get more of that type of work. So for that, I'm doing 350 a song flat rate, and w- which is uh, almost treating it like a mastering engineer where a band or artist can or producer can send me their whole session and I'll get all their plugins. And I'll look at I'll look it up and open it up and look at it exactly as they're seeing it and do anything that needs to be done to get it commercially ready and prepped for mix. And then I will deliver everything to the mix engineer specs for them so that once they're done with production, they don't have to think about that song anymore until they're getting a first mix back from the mix engineer. So for that kind of bundle, I guess, I do 350 flat fee. Um, but for anything else, I'm doing now 45 an hour for editing. Um, and that's for more of the day-to-day vocal edits here and there. It might take two hours, might take one, might take three. Um, and what I've been doing lately to, like, how I've been communicating that lately is 
I will give people both rates and say like whatever works best for you. Right. Um, peace of mind package for this flat rate, and you know what it costs, and the work is going to get done, or we can split it up hourly. But like whatever you think is best. Um, I also do a day rate. This is kind of a similar approach to your hourly rate for production. I have a day rate that I kind of use as my reference point for any miscellaneous rate or any quote that I randomly give for like something, if or anything. And for that, I use $400 a day. So I can, you can, and you can break it up into a half day for 200. Um, and that's my default for things like additional production on stuff. Like if a song is already produced or somebody's self-produced and they just want me to play bass and keys and like add some ear candy and stuff, spend an afternoon on it from like noon to one to four or whatever, 200 bucks, half day. Um, and then I also kind of use that as a reference for making sure that I'm on track with my other rates. Um, um, to kind of keep myself accountable to the value of my time. Producing is where it's a little bit more flexible and I'm okay with that being a little bit more. Uh, I'm technically, I technically make the least amount of money on production and I'm okay with that for right now because I do enough of the other work to make up for it. Um, so yeah, those are my rates. I feel good about that. I didn't know you had that, that bundle deal. I might have to take you up on that. I I just started that. I uh, and I have have, have, have ugh, wow. I just completely stumbled over all my this words. Is the second episode we've recorded today, right? So. Yeah, we're still nursing the same glass of bourbon yeah. that we started in the last episode. Yeah. Um, I finished mine. <laughs> we're. I promise that we're not drunk. I'm not at least. I'm you? not. Okay. Um. Yeah, I have affectionately called it like the Joan bundle because that kind of that type of work is kind of something that they initiated with me when we connected. They were like, "We want you to do all this," um, and I was like, "Okay, cool. That makes a lot of sense." And since then, I have um, done a little bit more of that type of work with other people, and I'm like, "This is actually a really good system," and I like. I like the perspective on it of treating it like mastering, like quality control of like, just send it to me. I'll take care of everything that needs to be done. You don't have to worry about it. Um, usually, yeah, it's it's just, just more enjoyable for me personally. I mean, I would, 350 sounds like a steal for that. So Yeah, I kind of, and I, I got there from kind of taking an hourly rate, like if I'm working on an entire song, like drums, vocals, and then like anything else, plus like mix prep let's say six hours, six to eight hours. Um, and then I just, so I kind of calculated that and then I threw a little bit on top to cover any plugins that I would need to buy. And that's how I got there. Um, anyway, so I'll throw it back to you. What, where did your journey with setting rates start? Well, Remember in our first episode how I talked about like transitioning from artist to producer? Yeah. I was kind of working with people on and off, all for free, mm-hmm. just because I wanted to learn how to work with other people. And 
it simply came to the point where it was like, okay, I'm getting pretty good at working with other people, getting better at mixing. Should probably start charging something for it. Right. And to be honest, I I've literally just mirrored your mixing and production. <laughs> That's really funny because it's like, yeah, Tanner's charging that. Like, I'm sure it's based in something. And I feel like <laughs> right. that's worth what I can make. So, yeah, I feel like everybody does that. Um, honestly, I did that between Matt and uh, my friend Michael Gio. I would kind of like ask him, like, if I if I had a project come in that was more of a day rate type thing, I just didn't know what to charge. I would text Michael and be like, "Hey, what do you? What would you charge for this? Like, what what makes sense?" And he would say what he does for it, and I would shave a little bit off and yeah. be like, okay, that's, that's what makes sense <laughs> that, for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mixing, mixing took a little bit longer because I was doing 250 mm-hmm. for a mix. And then I, I started working really hard on like learning how to mix, what it means to mix, um, like trying to listen better, watching more mixing videos talking to you about mixing and then I was like okay I'm getting a lot better at this so I'm going to I'm going to bump up to 400 try to push myself to put that, to put out that kind of work not like $250 work right I guess. yeah um so I guess when what made you decide that you should start charging people like and I guess along with that comes like structure, right? Of yeah. like and and an expe- setting expectations and boundaries. Like, when did you like, let's say like for a production? At what point did you say, I need to start charging, and this is what I'm going to charge? When I looked on my hard drive, and there's about fifty songs unfinished for other people just sitting on my hard drive, uh-huh. and me being like, okay, well. Should probably finish these because right now there's no incentive from either side to finish these. Yeah. It is when we feel inspired enough to work on these. Um, and sometimes money can be a very good inspirational tool. Yeah. Um, but uh, money's a great tool. Yeah. I, it's literally as simple as that. Yeah. As for both a, sides. Yeah. There's a lot of unfinished. There's a lot of stuff that's on the table that's not being finished because we have not invested anything other than time right. into this. Yep. Um, and the moment it stopped becoming insanely enjoyable, because starting a new song is always fun, for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment it, the excitement wore off from the song, it was like there's no incentive to take it to the finish line. There's no like agreement to finish yeah. it. Yeah, there's no like end goal. And it was literally as simple as that. I charged because I had to. Not for be- yourself and the people you're yeah, working with. Yeah, because it's it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, I let's see. Um I did I did work for free. Did I do free? yeah, I did free work. I didn't I'm I'm having to like really reach back and try to remember all this. So the first production work that I did was for Foxhall. And that was not even real production work. That was just like Cameron and I 
in logics sharing sessions like trying to figure out what the heck we were doing. I did not consider myself a producer at all at that point. Um, later that year is when I started to get into mixing. And at the top of 2020, like January 2020, January, February, I kind of, that's kind of in my head where I started mixing because I was actively looking for things to mix and I just wanted practice on stuff. So I did do a couple things for free um, and they were good practice. Um, you pretty much worked with me for free as well. Yeah, right? that was late 2020. Yeah. Um, uh, summer, summer 2020, my friend Connor Lockhart texted me and was like, dude, I really love what you do in the Foxhall record. I love the music that you make. I have some songs. I really would love to work with you on them. I really want you to produce them. And I was like, are you sure? Like, you want me to produce? Like, I'm not a producer. I'm not good at producing. Um, at that point, I was, I barely considered myself a mix engineer, but that's, you know, that was, I didn't consider myself a producer at all. I, I was going more for mixing and I didn't really know what to charge. I think, I think we ended up doing like $300 to produce like and mix two songs. Um, and, uh, but by that point I had kind of decided like, if I'm going to be doing this work and I, and I already knew that I wanted to do it professionally as a, as a career full time at that point, I knew that I needed to start charging something and I think I just kind of left it more up to them. Like, what what did you have in mind? Do you have a budget in mind? What are you what do you have to spend on this? Can we make that work? And at that point for me, I was I would I didn't really care. Like if they if they said a hundred bucks, I'd be like, okay, cool, we can do one song. Like um but yeah, and then and then in that fall is when we did your EP. And then we did two hundred. I specifically remember sitting at that dining table that's 10 feet from us and you talking about your EP and I was like, can I mix it? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, cool. <laughs> and that was it. Like, uh, I, I probably was like, I don't have any money. Right. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to work on stuff. Yeah. And, and I wanted to work on stuff that I thought was cool yeah. too. Um, so, but we still we still did charge something, um, and I think that there's good practice in charging something. Um, it, it is, I, I I you can feel pressured to do stuff for free, um, but at the end of the day, you're doing work. You're doing highly specialized work um, that adds value to a product that somebody is going to profit from in some way. So you should charge something for that. Um, so yeah, um, that's kind of where I started with rates. Um, eventually, I think after we did the EP, your EP, that like right after that, the top of January 21, I started like officially charging like a full mix rate, which I think was 200. And... I did a couple things at 200 and then 
think quickly after that I raised it to 250. And then a little bit later I did 400 as I did more work. And then just recently I, I raised it to 500. Um, my recent raise honestly has more to do with how expensive life has gotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just the economy. Um, but it's weird to raise your rate 6% or whatever, like a weird number. So you're charging, I charge $437 or whatever. Like I was just like 500 is a, everyone, that's an easy number um, to, that's just a nice round number to do at, when you're looking at the difference between raising from 400 to 450 or 500, an extra 50 bucks isn't that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. So, like, might as well just go the extra 50 bucks. Um, and, like, you know, you should value yourself more. Like, don't be afraid to charge a rate. I, I've, I've heard that um, your rate should be just outside of what you feel comfortable charging. Yeah, I think also having high rates or not high necessarily high rates but every time you raise your rate um do you have the potential of having to take on less work in some ways and making more yeah like um yeah i mean it's as simple as that like if i raise my rate i kind of I kind of uh, separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit on mm -hmm. the kind of work that I'm doing, but I'm also making more per song. So like you hear people all the time say, I don't want to raise my rate because I'm scared that I'm just going to lose a bunch of clients. It's like, well, yeah, that's the point. Right. Like that's the whole point. You lose some people, but the people that are staying, you're, they actually have more value to you than they did before. In just in on a work, yeah. It's not in like life or right. whatever, but yeah, and yeah, the people who will stay with you through a rate raise are ideal clients because you you know that they are not looking for a deal. Like the financial part of it is not their number one priority. The number one priority is you. Yeah, they want to work with you, and they'll figure out the money part um, instead of just kind of shopping around and looking for whoever has the best rate, not really caring about the outcome or the experience of working with you. Um, and I think there's something to be said about um, kind of like dress for the job you want. Yeah, charge for the work that you want. Um, within reason, like. If I've only ever done three mixes in my life and yeah, I just don't have a lot of experience mixing, but I'm like, I want to mix for, I don't know, John Mayer. This is an, an, an extreme example. It would be ridiculous to say, well, I'm going to start charging $10,000 a mix because that's what CLA charges or whatever. Yeah. Like, or I don't, I, I don't, I don't remember who mixes for John Mayer. Um, uh, many. Oh, it is Manny. He probably charges ten thousand a mix, something like that. Um, obviously, that's dumb. But if you're charging fifty dollars to mix a song, the only the work that you're going to get are people who can only afford fifty dollars, or or really are only willing 
to afford $50 um, because they don't value you or their music to an extent because they're not willing to invest into it. And the people who do value their music more want to spend more money on it because they want a better product. So it's a really weird kind of cart before the horse thing of like, you should charge up because, you know, like you could be charging too little and like selling yourself short on your own value, but also the value of the work that you can receive, the quality of the work that you receive and, and therefore your returns on that work of like, yeah, just a, a better song is going to do better on Spotify and get shared more and become more popular and like you get more work through that. Um, kind of the exposure thing, I guess, as silly as that can be sometimes. Well, yeah, there's that aspect to it, but it's also just like, yeah, like you said, if I'm doing good work, like good work is not cheap. Yeah. Good work can be, it's like that whole thing, fast, cheap, easy. Or fast, cheap, uh, what is it? Good. Fast, cheap, good. Yeah, that's pick what it two. is. Yeah, pick yeah. two. Um, and normally, if something's going to be cheap, I don't take it on. Right. Um, yeah. Because it's not, yeah, it's, it's not worth it to you. I mean, there, it, There's it's just still... no point in me putting out a mid-mix Right, at a reduced rate, right? Because nothing that I ever set out to do is I'm I'm. There has never been a time where like I've sat down to mix something and I've been able to be like, nah, it's good enough. Like right. in a mix, yeah. It's always like, oh no, like I can't. Right, I can't leave that the way it is. Yeah, and I think that ties back to our last episode too of like you you have like the luxury of being able to pick and choose what you want to work on. Right. Um, so obviously the money part of it is important to you and you, and you should be charging, but like you're not taking stuff, you're not compromising your rate. You're not devaluing yourself just to have work to, to do. No. Yeah. But I mean, there are definitely times where like I will, make music with people very unofficially just because making music is fun. Like I, it can be dangerous. Like, especially once we get like into this whole money thing of like, no, every time I'm doing something musical, like I gotta be making money, which just like, isn't the case. Like there are times where I'll have like my close, close friends come over, like, like people that I really trust. And we just like make something and it's not like, Something that's to be released or something that's to be... It's like, no, we are all free. Yeah. And we're making music. Granted, if that music ever comes out, like I'm going to be like, okay, well, what part did I play in this? Like, right. what, what, how, like how am I going to get paid from this? But also, it's like... Sometimes you make music with your friends and it's fun and you don't need to make money from it. Like, that, mm-hmm. might, be, that might be bad <laughs> to say out loud, but... <laughs> but when it's like, you're sending me your song to mix. Right. It's $400. Yeah. Like, you can be my best friend. But if I'm about to do work for you, it's going to be $400. Right. 
Yeah, and something that I've been thinking about with this is from the vantage point of being young and starting and trying to charge a rate, like when we were at school, if there's kind of a pressure of like, if somebody, you know, people throw around all the time, let's write some time. Like, I would love you, like, can you work on the song with me? Yeah. Like, if you try to charge a rate to a broke college student, they're just going to be like, oh, well, I I'm can't. I'm just going to go find someone who will do I'm going to go find someone down the hall who's making beats that'll just do it for free. Um, and that can really suck to hear and makes you feel kind of stuck. Um, and that's something that I've realized is a kind of a barrier for to, to relate when I'm talking to people who are older. And this is just an age thing. This isn't even an experience thing. When you're trying to start an audio business as a 20-year-old, all the people that you do life with are also broke. As They're as broke as you. So you use your own financial situation as a gauge for what other people can afford. And usually the answer is none. I still feel that way. Like I think about my rates and I'm like, well, I couldn't afford to pay someone twelve fifty to produce and mix a song of mine. But you have to break out of that and move beyond that. And like as you get older, people get jobs and make more money. And like they have more money to spend on on music. Their financial situation is different than yours. And you can say, Yeah, I charge twelve fifty for production and mix, and they're like, Cool. And yeah, it's, sounds good. And it's not always going to be just directly individuals paying for music. Like, yeah, everyone has a different situation. La- labels come to come into play. Like it's still the artist paying technically, but sometimes money's coming from somewhere else. Sometimes there's investors. Sometimes like or a gift or a Kickstarter yeah, or yeah, like it's. Don't just be afraid to charge what you are worth just because you think nobody's going to work with you. It's right, it's not. The people who will still work with you, regardless of a rate, are in theory the your ideal client. The people you only people you quote unquote should be working with. Right. The people that because they value you and they want you they they respect your time and your talents and they want you to be compensated fairly. And they're willing to like being willing to invest financially into their music is also an indicator that they're taking their career seriously and there's going to be extended return on it, both for them and for you in the long term. If you have your name on something that does well over a lot of time, then that's a really good the really good thing to have in your portfolio. I agree. This is a shorter one for yeah. sure. Maybe it'll be a maybe it'll be a two parter. Two-parter or like a, a bonus episode or something? Yeah. We, I unfortunately have to have to get on out of here. I think it was good practice to have a really concise one. But yeah. I, am, I am definitely glad that... We got the ball rolling. We got the ball rolling on this. Because this, is, this isn't just a one episode, even a longer one episode Did we conversation. Might, we might re-have a rates episode like... Yeah down the road once our rates change again or right. somebody dig more into why do we change your rates when should you change your rates how do you change your rates like that yeah that's a great one 
when you decide to change your rates, when you decide to change your rates, how do you communicate that to your existing clients? Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody needs to follow James uh, Brindle. Yeah, James uh, Jamie, Brindle. Uh, Jamie Brindle. Yeah, Jamie Brindle. Oh yeah, he's great. On Instagram. I That's love who account. I get all my freelance tips yeah. and how I change rates. I've one hundred percent used stuff that he said oh, and like yeah. his like little email like like little quips to yeah. to talk to people with. He's great. All right, y'all. Well, socials. Yeah. Sessionnotes.fm yep. on Instagram. Uh huh. My individual name is Herney Prack, H-E-R-N-Y-P-R-A-K. It's like Henry Park, but Herney Prack, uh-huh. Tanner. Mine is uh, just, it's just Tanner.Ledford. Tanner.Ledford. Yep. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. Um, give us some stars, give us a rating. Um, post on your Instagram stories, tag us. Um share with your friends and and uh like never hesitate to reach out to us directly we love that's the whole point we keep saying that that's the whole point is to to talk to people and make people feel listened to and included and make a space for people so it's not going to happen without people being in in communication so we're just trying to make beats we're just trying to make beats I finally got my little MIDI keyboard. Yeah. I'm going to make some in, fire it's beats It's in Las, now. what did you call it? Las Vegas mode? Vegas mode. Vegas yeah. mode. After it sits for five minutes untouched, which it usually is. <laughs> That's how my MIDI keyboard it's is. It's like, a, has the rainbow pads. It's, it's very cool. Very sick. That's why I bought it. It looks cool. All right, y'all. Well, Love you. And uh, see ya. See ya.